Do you dream of making your living writing fiction, but don't know where to start? Believe me, I understand. I worried and struggled over my writing for years, afraid it was cheesy and amateurish and not truly resonating with readers. Meanwhile, at every turn, I was told I couldn't make money this way. It takes too much time, too much hard work. It's not a real job. I bet you can relate, right? Well, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret the traditional publishing industry, and let's face it, most of society at large, doesn't want you to know. It's very possible to become a career author, to make your living writing stories full of emotion and passion and morality. With all the upheaval and negativity in our world right now, people need your stories more than ever before. Stories only you can tell, only you can bring them. I created this podcast to show you how, and I promise it will take less time than you think. So join the revolution of authors following their passion and changing lives, both their own and those of their readers. We are prolific authors. Good morning, everyone. I hope everyone's had a good week of writing. As you can see, our topic today is how to push through physical problems and medical problems to get your writing done. I know a lot of people have that issue, so I've got a really great interview for you today. Um, before I go into that, though, in terms of a personal update, I'm finally getting ready to launch my prolific author system. Um, I've talked about this before on previous podcasts. This is a system that will teach you to write your book quickly and efficiently, but without sacrificing quality or emotion and you know how to really plan well and, and get a really compelling book written for the reader, but to do it quickly so that you can build up your backlist quickly. So if you have any interest at all in writing more quickly and more efficiently and in a more emotional way than you currently do, if you think you have any room at all to up level on any of those things, then uh, go and register for my free webinar. Totally free. There is a link in the show notes and everybody is welcome. I'm going to teach you three secrets to helping write an emotional book that will resonate with readers on the very first try. Okay. So go sign up for that webinar. I think that's about all I have this week in terms of a personal update. So let's just get right to the interview. Hi, prolific authors. Me again. Are you on Pinterest? You really should be. Pinterest is its own search engine and it has more than 2.5 billion active members, many of whom are on the platform weekly, if not daily. And guess what? A good chunk of those readers get on Pinterest to look for books, reviews, bookish communities, and all things fiction. Entrepreneur Stephanie Gass has created a training course that shows other entrepreneurs how to use Pinterest. Her tips can be adapted to any industry, including to us prolific authors. So if you want to learn how to use Pinterest to get extra visibility, be it for your books, your blog posts, or anything else you might create and want to find an audience for, this is for you. She'll even show you how to set it up so Pinterest works for you on autopilot and you only have to monitor it for a few minutes a week. So don't miss Stephanie Gass's Pinterest Masterclass. Go to bit.ly forward slash TPA Pinterest, TPA for the prolific author. So once again, that's bit.ly forward slash TPA Pinterest. Let's go ahead and get started. How are you doing today, Zoe? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm excited to see what we do today. Yeah. So I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> good, good. Um, so why don't you tell everybody, you know, who you are and like what you write? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Zoe. I'm a writer in Melbourne, Australia, and I generally write fantasy novels, probably with a strong romance element to it. Um, and that spans most time frames. So I have dabbled in um, historical fantasy style stuff. So um, 
medieval renaissance um i've got a gas lamp series which is basically victorian but with magic because why not um all the way through <laughs> to, to sci-fi with some vague magical elements because i tend to do soft science rather than hard science so it ends up being a bit magical-ish and romance because it's fun yeah yeah so do you have any books published yet no not yet we're working on it um right. i've i've um got a couple of process problems to work out um, and <laughs> editing is really hard for me at the moment it makes uh, my brain a bit squish so yeah <laughs> yeah editing's hard for everybody it is it's it's oh, yes. one of the difficult yeah. parts you know so tell me what your writing process is. How do you go about getting your stories written? Um, at the moment, um, what I do is I spend a lot of time trying to minimize the amount of work my brain does at any given point. So um, I've got two um, chronic health conditions that I manage, one of which is chronic pain, which is mm. kind of fun, and the other one is persistent dizziness. So the problem becomes my brain is being so busy doing the pain and dizziness that it doesn't really have a lot of space for the creative work. So I'll start off with um, picking what kind of plot elements I like. So if I'm wanting to write a particular kind of romance or in a particular kind of historical time period, I'll pick my favourite tropes from there um, and then do a bit of an if then. So if the heroine has to have a power imbalance somewhere, what kind is it going to be? What do I feel comfortable working with? How can I play on what's already in the genre and what um, would be interesting to take a different spin on it? Um, then I look at Kathy Adley's Rocky or Plot Points, um, which is also in Larry Brooks's book, but I find Kathy Adley's Plot Points easier. So that's um, opening image, plot point one, which is break into act. Uh, yeah, plot point one, pinch point one, midpoint, pinch point two, and um, plot point two, and then the finale. So I get those sort of structured in because they've got nice little uh, markers based on the word count. So you get a nice kind of even spread of events. And then I'll go in and add the beats from Save the Cat, and um, which is a Blake Snyder book, um, Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes. Um, I'll add on top of that, particularly if it's a romance. Um, and then I'll often also go back and do a um, bit of um, scene outlining. So I'll use either the goals, motivation, conflict, disaster that is used um, with Kathy Adley stuff or um, Deb Chester's or Jim Butcher's stuff. And then um, I'll also probably sit down and do a bit of a scene sketch before I actually write for the day. So I've got a really solid structure of what's coming out. Um, and I got that one from Rachel Aaron's 2K to 10K um, because it makes it that much easier. My brain has a lot less work to do when I sit down to fill out the page because it's got all of the structure and the scaffolding there. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's that's where I tend to be with my process and I'll, I'll do that for individual books and most of the time with the romances they do end up being a bit of a series so it'll either be um, sequential so you'll end up with you know a side character from book one is then the hero of book two so I'll probably have you know three books um, planned out at various stages of that structuring process um, mm -hmm. while I'm doing the, the writing for the first one. Um, if it's a, a more of an epic fantasy sort of romance I'll probably have 
the the trilogy plotted out so that that romance arc works over those periods and the plotting works so that the whole structure is a whole and also so that the individual books are actually satisfying because there's nothing worse than not having a story question answered in the book that's supposed to be answered in right kind of have some kind of resolution otherwise it just feels a little disjointed so yeah 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 it's amazing how much easier it is to get your words written when you have planning done right yeah 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 exactly (laughs) yeah um and then because um the act of writing in itself either the creating the words or typing the words and particularly if i'm typing and i'm watching the words go across the page that can really um, set my dizziness off. Mm. So I tend to write in 15 to 20 minute chunks and then get away from the computer because that's about as much as my brain can actually handle at any one time. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm struggling with the editing is the fact that I have to go in and read it. And mm-hmm. just that eye tracking just makes my brain kind of spin. So. Right. Yeah. I can see that. That's hard. <laughs> I bet. So, I mean, how do you, um, because there's plenty of people out there that don't have your health problems and they still have a hard time finding time to write. So how do you, how do you balance that and find times to write? Um, so I have this sort of interesting advantage, I guess, kind of, um, in that I'm not well enough to work. So as long as I can get enough sort of energy together in a day, then I've probably got some point where I can get 20 minutes in here mm-hmm. or there. Um, the other thing is that I've, I'm a member of a couple of online writing groups and they often run writing sprints together. So I often will see someone will post one up and be like, I'm doing a sprint from this time to this time. Anyone want to jump in? And if I've got the spoons to do it or the energy to do it, then I'll do that. And the company element really helps because it, it just gives me that sort of, yes, you've done a thing, good. And also this company, because company is great. Right. Yeah, well, and I mean, I wanted to point that out because, I mean, 20 minutes a day, even people who do work or have really busy lives, everyone's got 20 minutes a day to do a writing sprint. So you're making good progress on your stories doing that, you know? Yeah, and I mean, like, even if I only get, like, five minutes out of the sprint because I've got a um, high symptom day, Um, that five minutes can be doing the scene sketch so that when I go away from the computer and have a sit and let my brain sort of recover a little, um, my brain's still taking over that scene. And by doing that, it's that much easier for it to come back because it's sort of played through the scene a couple of times to see what it likes and doesn't like and what will work, what's a little bit on the nose, that kind of thing. So that can often be helpful as well, just the the five-minute patches, Um, particularly when I've got that much of an outline. Um, it's easier to kind of manage to get it nailed mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. So um, what do you think you struggle with the most in your writing when it comes to actually like, you know, writing the stories, does. planning the stories? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the problem that I have is a lot of the time um, I can't kickstart the process for doing the the, um, unusual connection of ideas. So because, um, I'm trying to explain so my brain is having one of those moments. So this happens a lot as well. So um, I'll have a really clear idea 
but it won't get into the language centers. So I won't be able to say it. So I can't even record it or dictate it. Um, I will not be able to mm. get my fingers to sort of type the words because it just kind of goes, no, we're jammed up. We, can, we don't have anywhere to go. Um, and a lot of the times I, I tend to find that when I look at my story, I go, I know that I know it's in there somewhere because my brain's been playing with it, but I can't drag it out and bring it to the front to get it to the point to write it down. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I can go, okay, so let's do the if then. If my character is this kind of person and this is the arc that they're going on, what kind of things would happen to make them do that? Sometimes that's really easy and sometimes I just can't. And I think I really struggle with getting enough momentum or getting that sort of initial bit of movement on the story that sort of breaks the inertia of Mm-hmm. brain squish that's that's tends to be where I'm, I'm really struggling with it yeah um, and then of course editing is just a nightmare <laughs> I, I have not figured out how to edit yeah because I can't I can't read it like if I print it out in hard copy that's just not even going to happen um and even reading it on a screen it it gets really tiring and I get really busy so a lot of the time I'll go to read a chapter and by the time I finished the chapter um I need to go and have a lie down yeah my brain's just like we're done you need to stop being upright and like now thank you um so that's the part that I'm really struggling with as well is that sort of balancing act between um progress and I guess looking after my brain while it's off doing whatever it's kind of trying to do in the background which is not helpful right so so have you ever um have you ever tried free writing before or do you know what that is yes Yes, yes. I used to do free writing a lot. I used to be a pantser. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I have written rather large swathes of words that may or may not have had a story in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> as a free writer, I used to be a pantser. But, um, and does that, does that help you concentrate at all? Does that help your, you know, your dizziness depends problems? On the day. Yeah. Um, it, it really depends on the day. Um, I think um, as a rule, it can be a bit tricky, but like if I've got, um, say, a really good prompt that has a lot of like meat in it is really useful because um, then you can just sort of go, okay, pull this bit out and that kind of, like, if the prompt has structure in it by itself, right. um, then that's great. If it's sort of one of those sit down and write for five minutes or whatever the time the free write is, that's, that's really hard. Um, that's it's those are a lot of heavy lifting for creative work and so they're very demanding in terms of um cognitive energy and some days i have it some days i don't and some days there's sort of this in between like i'll sit down and i'll start to write something without a scene sketch and it just turns into this kind of like repeated sort of conversation in my brain and then you end up with this thing and when you you read it over afterwards you're like I've spent 150 words talking about something that actually just takes two sentences (laughs) because I've repeated it five times what was I doing well at least you got it down though right (laughs) yeah exactly exactly you can always edit it you can't edit nothing yeah yeah so yeah yeah that's what I usually tell people to do when they you know get stuck between plot points and just try some free writing, get the juices flowing, that sort of thing. Yeah. 
that seems to work better than then so many people have a hard time trying to force their muse, you know, they just oh, yeah, feel like absolutely. they can't force it. And I, I totally understand that. Um, so yeah, free yeah. writing, it definitely helps. And I was yeah. going to say something else too. And I don't remember what it was now. Um, so what, why don't you tell everyone what your um, process is for free writing? What do you do exactly? Um, so it depends a little bit on the kind of free writing that I'm doing. So if, mm -hmm. for example, um, I've got a prompt, um, what I'll normally start to do is um, break it down. Hang on one second. I've actually got a board of prompts that are my favorites. One sec. Yeah. I just need to... It's fighting me, but I don't know if you can see it. It's just yeah. a giant board of like pins and stuff. So for example, I've got one here that says, you smiled, you spoke, and I believed by every word and smile deceived. Now, I don't know where that came from. A friend of mine actually made this for me because she's a sweetheart. Um, mm -hmm. But that one you can really pull apart because you've got rhythm, you've got that the, the character that caused the problems is external to the narrator. Um, and you've also got a little bit of tone for the narrator there like you know it's got that sort of easy breathing but also the sort of poetic side to it so you can mm -hmm. kind of get a little bit of momentum and it, it it's quite obviously a confrontation scene or like a bit of a conflict scene either internal conflict because they're reflecting on the you and their relationship of whatever kind that is um and that whole incongruence between the behaviors of um the speech and the the gestures and the reality of the situation so i would look at that and then figure out what kind of deception i wanted to have a look at so for example if i'm trying to find a voice for a character um or i'm trying to figure out how a character would be doing something there's normally a particular kind of deception that would hurt them most so for example i've got um, one of my main characters in a medieval renaissance sort of fantasy one, she does needle, needlepoint lace. And so for her, a deception that would cause her pain would be somebody claiming her work as theirs and her mm -hmm. not having any recourse to sort of deal with that. Um, because if they claim it's their piece and that they made it, and they've got more social standing then she can't really do a lot so that would be a really interesting sort of how does the character find out that that's what happened how did the character then um respond to that and how what decision does does she make at that point to then pursue an outcome mm -hmm. and will that go well or will that go badly yeah so, yeah. So your board then, is it just full of those different types of writing prompts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. Um, That's a super cool idea. Nobody's going to be able to see it, but she's got a little cork board with a whole bunch of different writing prompts pinned on it so that when she gets stuck. So what you do is you, when you get stuck, you look at the writing prompt and kind of decide what it's about. And then you look at the yeah. story you're writing and like try to apply it to your story in some way. That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's a really good um, creative exercise to get yourself to get yourself to fill in the the holes in your story. I really like that. Oh, cool! Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really like. It. I've got, and these are only my favorites. But yeah. I've also got like boxes of um of the ones that didn't make it onto the board. <laughs> like there's just boxes of them, so I can just kind of 
stick my hand in a bit like a lucky dip and then pull something out and see if that works. That's awesome. Um, That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I quite enjoy it. Um, yeah. And I think it works a little bit better than, um, like I work some books that are full of writing prompts, but they don't really work as well for me. So these ones are um, much better. Yeah. Because they're, they've just got a little, little bit of a different feel to them. Um, mm. I'll also sometimes um, pick a style of thing. So for example, if I'm, you know, making a fantasy world, I want to have, you know, unique swears because everyone's going to have something that they say when they're upset. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll have a look at, you know, a particularly interesting curse phrase that we have and then be like, okay, what makes up that curse? And can I then structure a curse that's similar, but more world specific for the second world fantasies? So right, right. that's also fun. Yeah, that is fun. <laughs> Only writers get to sit around thinking up new swear words. So yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Um, so since you're home anyway, has the whole COVID thing affected your writing very much? Um, yes and no. So yes, in that um, I now am being very mindful of the the errands and tasks and stuff that I need to do to make. Um, the household kind of run smoothly, particularly because I've got um, family that um, are in at-risk categories. So I do the errands for them. Um, So it's really shunted my writing time definitely towards the afternoon, which it turns out is perfect because it's sort of about the same time that um, people in other time zones are actually ready to do the thing. Um, So that's nice. So that's been good. But it's also... um, been interesting because it's it's a very stressful time like um so in melbourne we're actually in the middle of our second set of lockdowns um we had um some restrictions and then they eased off and now we're back again mm-hmm. um so that's i'm not quite sure whether or not i'm i'm coping better or worse <laughs> Yeah. that makes sense in the second lockdown. So I didn't get what I wanted to do in the first lockdown. So I've got another shot. So that's, you know, kind of nice. Um, uh-huh. But it, it is interesting because I've just, because um, today is the last day of uh, Camp NaNoWriMo for July. Um, and in April, I managed to get a whole bunch of words done. Um, and that was when we were just starting our, our first lockdown. But this month has just been yeah nothing much. It's just been kind of like, if I can get 500 words in a, in like, a couple of days, I am very happy. Yeah. It happen as often as I, as I would like, like I sit down and my brain is just so busy. Right. It doesn't have the time or the energy to kind of come in and, and sit there, particularly considering that um, I'm also a really high symptom at the moment. So everything mm-hmm. is just sort of stacking. If that right. makes sense. And not in the fun way. So, right. Yeah. I think that's something people don't really think about. I mean, a lot of people are getting less writing done because their kids are home or, you know, things like that. But just the general stress of the situation, too, can kind of kick you right out of writing mode. And it's hard to concentrate enough and get into the right headspace to get back in it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's partly because this is a really unusual situation. And it's also because this this particular scenario is quite literally life-threatening so mm-hmm. when something that is is you know potentially life-threatening happens your brain shuts down all your frontal lobe stuff 
Like, right. it's like, we don't need to know what kind of bear it is. We just need to know it's a bear and to, like, not be there. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work so well when it's a virus and it's a long-term sort of right. <laughs> thing. Like, we've got weeks of, of being really careful and in months, probably. Like, I'm, I'm thinking that we're probably going to end up with, you know, much more gradual easing than we had last time of restrictions. So we're going to be fairly, you know, consistent with this for a while yet so that's yeah. going to put an additional strain on the brain because it just doesn't have enough resources and there's no break right so it doesn't rest right yeah no i feel you yeah yeah that's tough it really is yeah, yeah. Um, i mean like we're, we're lucky here you know we haven't had um you know i mean we we have days that we think are like oh my goodness and they're like 700 people like 700 cases so I can understand that we're really lucky um, in that regard, but it's still, you know, that that consistent pressure to make sure that, you know, you are always taking your mask, washing your hands, making sure that you're doing all the things and you're aware of where you've been and it's just this hypervigilance. So. Right, right. Yeah, that's kind of how we are too. We haven't had too many um, fatalities here in, in where I'm in in Utah, but yeah, everyone's yeah. still taking lots of precautions in the public and all that, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what are your, in taking it back to writing, what are your plans moving yeah. forward? Do you have like a publishing schedule or are you just plugging um, along trying to finish stuff or like where are you at with that? I have what I call hilariously optimistic goals. <laughs> um, Those are the best kind of goals right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I've got um, the the stories that I wrote in April um, are for my gas lamp romance series. So Mm -hmm. I want to be able to get the first three books because I'm very confident about those um, Mm -hmm. and how they work mostly. Um, I want to get those so that I've got um, very first drafts or vomit copies because the word is just vomit on the page. You just kind of go with it. Um, I want those all done like each of them to have at least one copy by the end of the year I'd really 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 like to have figured out some way to edit book one of that series that would be kind of amazing um so that I can get that organized and then the plan would be to get them all nice and tidy with nice pretty covers and then um do a staged release um as an indie author um Mm -hmm. and then do a box set for those three, which should give me enough time to theoretically get something else written. And that would be nice. So I do remember what I was going to say earlier when I told you I'd forgotten what I was going to say. I was thinking, have you ever tried to audio edit? Um, I have had the computer read it to me. Yeah. Um, I think I've got to really practice with that some more. Um, mm-hmm. and get some nitty-gritty of that done. Yeah. Um, I tend to get caught up in the story and then forget that I'm supposed to be making notes. Yeah. That's my problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it would uh, be I'm sure it would be harder not reading it. Like if you if you were just listening and not reading so that you don't get dizzy, I'm sure that would be harder because I do both. But I'm I'm almost wondering if you could maybe find someone to help you like so that you're listening to it and then they can read it and help you take notes or something. I wonder if that would work at all. Oh, that is a good idea. I'll see if I can 
yeah, I might be able to do that. I have I have writing friends who yeah. I may be able to <laughs> offer some kind of trade with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to think of ways that you could do it so that you're not, you know, reading back and forth on the screen. But I do audio edit yeah. and that helps catch a lot of mistakes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah the, the amount of times you can catch a typo because the computer just reads it exactly as you've written it and you're like, that's not a real word. I know, yeah. because you just dropped that word to me instead of using a word. Oops. Let's fix that. Yep, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll give that a shot. Yeah, do and let me know how it goes. Yeah, we'll do. Um, is there anything you want to talk about um, that you need help with in your writing or anything you want any training on or coaching on at all that you can think of? Um, I think the, the other thing that, that I struggle with at the moment, um, and it's partly because I'm also in the sewing community for, um, for fun, because it's great fun, um, yeah. is how historically accurate you need to be and and that that thing with if you change one thing mm -hmm. how far do the implications have to go and this is the the big struggle with say my gas lamp um series because gas lamp is basically the um magical equivalent of steampunk so it's all run off um that victorian era mm -hmm. um time period it's just that you change things so that there's magic and airships and right the fae and all the fun stuff oh i apologize oh, my <laughs> dog is having a moment i have a border collie who is very <laughs> and friendly and wants to tell me when when there's somebody that we should definitely say hi to we don't <laughs> we're all doing social distancing now yeah <laughs> um yeah so it's, it's that world building thing and the and and when is accuracy necessary and when is it not? So, for example, with um, the gas lamp stuff, um, it's sort of the thing. So I've, I've, you know, put magic in, which means that I have been able to quietly avoid some of the social issues that I don't really want in a fantasy world. So things like um, I'm not using um, gendered inheritance stuff. I'm not. I, I don't use that so I, which gives me a whole lot more fun to play with power dynamics because all of a sudden you know the classic power dynamic of it's the lord of the manor and someone who has like and, and a heroine who has less power now the heroine can be the lady of the manor and have quite a lot of power and then all of a sudden you've got that interesting right change around which is kind of fun but it's I'm str I struggle to find the balance between um, grounding details that are necessary for the um, verisimilitude of the story and stuff that's just like, it's cool that you know that, but do you need to put it in the book? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, just to just address that last one first, I think if it serves the story and if it helps the reader understand the world, then put it yeah. in. If it's like completely yeah. irrelevant and doesn't really need to be there then you can probably take it out um yeah. but i mean in terms of the historical accuracy i think you can you can do whatever you want you can make it more accurate or less accurate as yeah. long as you just make sure that you establish what the rules of the world are you know so yeah. as long yeah. as the reader understands that women you know are not as subservient in this society as they would have been really in victorian society and you kind of yeah. lay out the rules for inheritance if that's part of your story 
yeah. you can do whatever you want with it, you know? So you don't, yeah. you certainly don't have to be, because, because your readers will understand that this is like an alternate history, right? They're used yes. to reading things like that. So it's not like they're going to be completely confused or, or anything like that. As long as you really establish the rules of your world well, you'll be fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. Your readers will go with you. Yeah, and, and it's also things like, um, you know, there's a, uh, investigation into some people who have been doing some not strictly legal and probably very not a good idea things and in the same time period you've got this is when we start to get the idea of, of a police force starts to come in like this is where we start to see that so I, I it's also trying to balance that whole modern understanding of police procedure because mm -hmm. we have now got quite a lot of history on that and how that works right. and how it's the most efficient way and it's like but at the time that was not how that went so it's also trying to balance that sort of historical thing without bringing so much of the modern back that mm -hmm. the world doesn't make sense but also understanding that like the reader is going to expect the constable um to follow some kind of vague procedure which you know and and have that sort of you know that you, you have to find evidence and you've got to go and talk to people and you you know mm -hmm. this is this is how you do it um, right well yeah, maybe then what you need to do is um again just have some part where you kind of explain the procedure in some way yep. have the constable yeah, explain okay. it to someone or you know to have one of the characters think about it and kind of know so because as long as you're explaining it oh, yeah to the reader and saying this is yep. how it's done like i said you can do anything you want you can go really historical or you can go totally modern and just say yes. maybe even have like a um some sort of event that created this more modern you know kind yeah, of so, thing so in your world because they had that sort of divergent history right right that if, resulted yeah. in that so as long as yeah. you lay out the breadcrumbs for your um yeah. readers so that they understand it yeah, you yep. can totally. I think that's cool to bring in something more modern and, and put it, place it back yeah. in like that. Like, that's fun. That's super fun. Yeah. Too, right? Yeah, it's, um, it, it is one of those things where it's just kind of like, you know, and like, you, you don't want to get too stuck on it. Like, not everybody needs to, you know, understand the complications of doing needlepoint lace, for example. Um, but uh -huh. they do, all they need to, I think, really understand is that it would be expensive to buy and it's pretty and I think I may have got a little caught up in that that particular story and made that a little bit more like oh yes because I got into a into a research hole and uh <laughs> digging the wrong way right now I think yeah yeah, yeah research yeah research holes are hard though because you you find all this cool stuff that you want to put in and yeah. sometimes yeah you just don't need it but you really want to need it <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the um, history bound in the community, so, which is what I, I like looking at for sewing, is just so fascinating because it's like, and we've gone back and we found, you know, these are the actual, um, like, the layers of clothes that you would wear. And mm -hmm. then when you stop and think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, of course you wear that many layers because it's cold. Right. We don't have central heating. Yeah. You need seven petticoats. Right, right. <laughs> so, and then you want to put it in there. It's like you don't, you don't need to have the seven petticoats. I promise the reader will just go with you on that. But it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs>
that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's my big thing. Yeah, and it's just that, that whole trying to kickstart my brain, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, so it can stop staring at nothing, essentially. It just gets to the point where it, I've got nothing. Or I had something yesterday and then I didn't write it down because I was totally sure I'd have it today and I didn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the best thing I can uh, tell you to do for that is just, you know, what we talked about, do free writing. Because free writing actually yeah. relaxes your brain. You know what I mean? If you yeah. just kind of stop thinking and let it go. So I bet that would yeah. help if you did that. Um, yeah. And then just anything that helps get your creative juices flowing you know i think the prompts are really great but even things like sometimes taking a break going for a walk because physical yep. motion actually um kicks uh mental processes into into motion as yes. well so there's a lot of yes. writers that walk while they think about their chapters and things like that so i don't know yeah. if you can do that what with everything going on but if you could or if you could do any kind of physical activity and because i mean it doesn't even have to be like exercise but like i know for me I'll like go do my dishes or something and I'll be thinking about it. And just because I'm moving around and everything that can really kind of yeah. get the creativity yeah. started for me. I, I can walk around the backyard and throw the ball for the enthusiastic yeah, yeah. Holly. And, um, and he'll like that. He, he, he will definitely <laughs> approve of that one. Uh, thank you for that advice from my dog. He, <laughs> <Yeah. very> <laughs> he appreciates your creative time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. He will. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, if there's nothing else you want to talk about, then we'll probably wrap up. Um, yeah. You have, do um, you want to give any last minute tips or advice to all the writers out there listening? Oh, good, good question. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be good when you put it on the page. Right. But when, when you're writing it down, you don't have to make it good when you put it on the page. You right. are totally okay to have sentences that make no sense, that are repetitive, conversations between characters that happen four times when you only <laughs> need it once. Um, that's you telling yourself the story and getting all the bits out that your brain is sure you need um, mm-hmm. and wants to pick up. You can make it shiny when you edit it, but you don't have to have it shiny to start with. Right. So. Great, great. Yeah, that's very, very good advice. That's very true. Just get it down and you can make it pretty later. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like making, like, you know, when you're testing out a pattern for clothes, you make a mock-up. Mm-hmm. The whole point is that you can find where the problems are so that you can make it fit. Right. When you use the pretty material, make the mock-up first. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely. Brilliant. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much for talking to me today. This was super fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for um, being so generous with your, your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Hi, prolific authors. Me again. All authors know the best investment they can make in their writing career, other than doing the actual writing, of course, is to build their author email list. Like many of you, I started small using the cheapest, most common provider I could find. But things have changed in recent years. The go-to email providers authors used to use simply aren't supporting us as well as they used to. That's why I use ConvertKit. Its functionality is off the charts amazing, deliverability is stellar, and in all the time I've used ConvertKit, I've never had problems with getting emails to my list exactly when I wanted to. 
ConvertKit allows you to put everything on autopilot so you can connect with your fans in the way you want to, but without sacrificing valuable writing time to do it. With a totally free plan to get you started and comparable pricing as your list increases, there's something for everyone. So invest in yourself now by going with an email provider that will grow with you. Visit bit.ly forward slash TPA email. TPA as in the prolific author. So once again, that's bit.ly forward slash TPA email. Because we are prolific authors and prolific authors have stellar email lists. All right, I hope that was really helpful to you guys. So we had some great tips and experiences that, you know, thank you for sharing those with us, Zoe. And I hope that it helps any of you out there who are struggling with the same things. All right, so everyone have a great week of writing and make sure to go sign up for my webinar if you haven't yet. Um, I'm gonna give you some freebies on there as well. So that'll be really fun. I'm really excited for that. And yeah, just have a great week of writing. Be a prolific author this week and write your passion. And I will see you next week. Bye. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.